You ever look at somebody that is successful, at least in the way that we deem someone successful? You ever look at somebody and wonder how it happened for them? You ever done that before? Or am I the only person in this room that did that? Uh, you know, I think sometimes when, when I look at someone that I would deem as successful, a lot of the times I look at them and I think, you know, how did that happen? You know, how, how did this person, how are they successful at what they do? You know, you look at somebody who's successful in business, you know, and you wonder, you know, how did that happen to them? You know, what school did they go to? You know, maybe you look at someone who is, who's healthy. You know, they, they have a, a, good, a good shape, you know, and you wonder, you know, I wonder how that happened. I wonder how much weights they had to lift to, to look like that. You know, I wonder what kind of diet that they went on to be able to look like that because I don't like diets. And, but, you know, or, or maybe, maybe you look at someone that has a great marriage. And, and there, are, there are some of you in this room that I look up to because I deem a, a very successful marriage. And there may be those that you look at and you're wondering how in the world, how are you so successful in your marriage? You know, how does that happen? Does it just happen by accident? You know, how does that happen? And then you maybe look at somebody with massive influence and you think, man, how, how did that happen? Well, I don't think it's luck. Now, I know that I guess there could be those that are successful because their, their mom and daddy made a lot of money and they willed them the money and that kind of thing. I'm not really maybe talking about that, but those that are work for it and make it happen, I don't think it's luck. You know what I think it is? I think it's consistency over time. So you were thinking I was going to have a Sunday school answer, didn't you? I think sometimes when we look at somebody in their lives that are successful, and actually I, I've been able to, to eat lunch uh, with, with several what I would deem as very successful men and women in, in Livingston uh, from time to time, even in my short amount of time here, that I would deem them as successful. Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. You with me? Successful people do consistently what some people do occasionally. Does that make sense? See, there's consistency, there, there's persistence, there's patience, because successful people tend to, to, to consistently do what other people do occasionally. I've never seen anybody say, I accidentally paid off a ton of debt. I've never heard anybody say that. I've never had anybody say, well, I accidentally have a great marriage. I don't know anybody in the world that ever said, I accidentally got close to God. You know, I was just sinning and sinning and sinning, and then one day I stopped sinning, and all of my addictions went away, and I stopped cussing, and I started saying, praise the Lord all the time, and I have no problems at all. No way. No way. Now, do I believe that God could do that? Yes, I do. Do I believe that God does that? Not much. See, because when you trust Jesus, when you trust Christ, the old is gone, but sometimes it takes a little while for the old to leave, right? 
See, those addictions that maybe we're a part of, they don't go away just like that. It is a persistent effort as Christian people. Listen, living the Christian life is not easy. Living a true disciple, a follower of Christ, is not easy. It is an everyday thing. It's not something that we do occasionally. It is something that we do every single day. See, because I think if you were to talk to someone that you would deem as a very strong brother or sister in Christ, I think they probably would tell you something like this. You know, I worked really hard to die to myself. See, because as Christian people, we have to work very hard to die to ourselves. Because our sinful nature says, Jason can do that, Troy can do that, Jackson can do that, Terry can do that, we don't need anybody's help. I think that individual would also tell you that they seek God to know Him through His Word and hear His voice and let Him conform us to the image of Jesus. And over time, as that individual has pursued Jesus, see, maybe, maybe they would say to you, you know, he's, he's changing me. I'm becoming more like Him. See, it's a process. And you may get tired of me using that word, but a, a Christian lifestyle is a process. It's something that happens every day. It's not something that we just do occasionally. You know, I'm, the longer I'm here, you know, the more and more and more I get to love each one of you. But also, the more that I get to know you, I, I really believe that every one of us, we have good intentions. You know, that we have good intentions, that we, we want to serve Jesus. We want to go on mission trips. We want to do all of these different things. See, we want similar things, but why are there so many different results? We need to understand that intentions do not determine our direction. Did you hear that? Those of you tuned out, tune back in, I'm going to say it again. Intentions do not determine our direction. Actions determine our direction. Okay. In other words, if you just keep doing whatever you're doing, you're going to keep on getting what you're getting now. See, because this is from last week, hoping for a better future, hoping for a different future doesn't bring you a different future. Training our minds, training our lives to honor Jesus is what brings a different future. See, we talked about that last week. So I want to say to you this morning very humbly that the life that you want, whatever it is, is never the result of a few lucky decisions, but it's always a result of countless, consistent, seemingly small decisions done all the time. My dad used to tell me this. He would say, son... It's the small things that no one sees that brings the biggest result. See, what he was trying to tell me and teach me was that even when no one else is watching, you give your best. See, it's, it's those small things that no one sees that leads to the big results that everyone wants. So, so for our church, let's take our church for instance. We want our church to be successful. 
And by the way, when I mean successful, I don't mean in the eyes of men. I mean in the eyes of Jesus. See, if we want our church to be successful, we have to do those things daily. It is a daily thing that we do those small things that sometimes seem insignificant. And we'll come back to that in just a second. Actually, let me do it now. The problem, and you know it at some level, that when you do the small things right, a lot of the times you don't see fast results. You with me? A lot of times when, when we do small things consistently, a lot of the times we don't see the results. You know, because you're trying, but you don't see a lot of immediate life change. So if you're like me, and I think some of you are, scary thought, isn't it? But I, I think that, that if you are like me, and you're trying those small things, and you're reading God's Word, and you're in God's Word, and you're praying daily, sometimes we don't see the result immediately, do we? And if you're like me, I get frustrated. I get frustrated when I don't see the return. I mean, when, when I was a salesman, I, I, I would be frustrated when I didn't see the return. I wanted the return right then. Give me the return right now. Because we live in a society of instant gratification. And sometimes we get discouraged. And maybe even to the point, sometimes we feel like quitting. That's why this message is called, Don't Quit. Don't Ever Quit. Don't give up. Don't give up training yourself to honor Christ even when you fall. Don't give up on the things that you know are right even when you're not seeing the return. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. The words will be, the scripture will be on the screen, but I would rather you have your copy of God's Word. Galatians chapter 6. Paul writing to the people in Galatia, beginning of verse 7. I'll wait just a second. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says this, do not be deceived. Now, the word in the Greek, it means don't be led astray. But it also can honestly mean, don't be fooled. Okay? So, do not be fooled. Do not be deceived. God cannot be what? Mocked. See, the word mocked translated, it, it means to snub someone. You know what it means to snub someone, right? You want to know what that means? To snub someone? So, God cannot be snubbed. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whatever sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. All right, what I want to do for just a moment is this. I want to talk about this law that we just read. You know, we just read a law. It, it's the law of sowing and reaping. Okay, you with me? It is a law of sowing and reaping because whatever you sow, you're going to what? You're going to reap it, right? You know, if you plant corn in the ground, you're going to get corn. At least I hope so. 
Maybe the ground around here is a little different. I don't know. But I think if you plant, you plant green beans, how many of y'all have gardens in here? Gardens, anybody? Okay, so you know if you plant butter beans that that's your pastor's favorite vegetable. I'm guessing, well, I'm just, just putting that out there, okay? So if you, if you plant butter beans, you know you're going to get butter beans. See, that's a law of sowing and reaping. So, sort of like the law of gravity. If I were to come to an edge of a cliff and I step off the edge of the cliff, which way am I going to go? Down, right? I'm never going to step off of a cliff and go up. I guess I'm, oh, maybe if I'm on the moon, maybe. But I'm never going to go up. I'm always going to go down. A law means that it's true. That it's always going to be that way. Okay, you with me? So what we sow, we what, church? We reap. See, that's a law. Let's look at three things underneath that law. All right, number one is this. You reap what you sow. You think, oh man, I should have stayed at home. I should have stayed at home for this one. Well, number one is this, you reap what you sow. Again, if you plant corn, you get corn. Every time you put a certain type of seed in the ground, you get a harvest that corresponds with the seed that you planted. We could say this. Now, I'm paraphrasing what Paul said. <coughs> if we plant bad seeds, we get a harvest of destruction. If we plant godly seeds and godly habits, over time, we tend to have a godly harvest in fact speaking of on the negative side of this if we continue to sin if we're disrespectful to people if we're selfish if we're angry if we're unforgiving if we're bitter if we're harsh if we hate people then this is going to come back to us in multiplying fashion you with me the old testament says this in hosea chapter 10 verse 13 it says this but you have planted wickedness you've reaped evil okay so in other words You've done things ungodly, you've sinned, just like we all do. Because of what you've planted, that's what you reap. Well, in this book, they're reaping evil. You do the wrong thing, you're going to plant, you, you plant wrong things, right? You're not going to get right things out of wrong things. You're going to, you're going to, to reap evil. Here's probably the most important thing I will say today. If you don't like what you're reaping, Change what you're sowing. Probably the most important statement I'll make today. That's a take-home statement, as Andy Stanley would say. It's a take-home statement. If you don't like what you're reaping, change what you're sowing. If you don't like the harvest, you change the seed. If you don't like turnip greens, plant something different. I like turnip greens, by the way. But if, if you don't like the harvest, you change the seed. Now, I usually give you an assignment at the end of the message, but I'm going to do it right now. Can I do that? And I'm going to do it again at the end. Let me, let me give you an assignment. I'm going to ask you to look for one different type of seed that you need to plant in your life. Now, I'm not talking about a garden. Just one area of your life where you say, I want to be consistent in this area. Just one thing. Okay? Maybe it's having a godly attitude. Maybe it's the idea of forgiveness. I, I don't know what it may be for you, but for, for whatever you're thinking about right now, I'm asking you to do one thing. 
one area of your life where you would like to see the harvest different. You hear? You understand what I'm saying? So ask yourself, what type of seed do I need to plant? Pick one area. Okay? So the first one is you reap what you sow. The second one is this. You reap more than you sow. Now, it gets, it gets deeper as we go. You reap more than you sow. See, when you put a seed in the ground, you get more fruit out of the seed. Right? In Mark chapter 4, you, you know this parable. Jesus told a parable about a farmer. You remember the farmer? He, he probably had seeds in his bag, maybe on the side, and he was throwing the seeds. He was sowing the seed. You know the story. You know the parable. It was when, you remember, there were some seeds that fell on what? On rocky places. You know, and that was not soil that was good. And then there were some, there was, he threw it into, into some thorns and they were choked out. But then there were some seeds that fell on good soil, produced an amazing harvest. And Jesus said this in Mark 4.20, it says this, And the seed that fell on the ground, on, on good soil, represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Okay, in other words, you plant one seed, you can grow a tree, which then produces more fruit with more seeds to bring about an exponential harvest. You see this in your life. You see this in your disciplines. You see this in your, in your relationships. Okay, let's just get real. Um, if you walk into a room of people, let's say you're going into a doctor's office. Okay, let's say you're walking into a doctor's office pre-COVID, okay? You walk into a doctor's office, and let's just say you come in, and you, you come in smiling. Even though you're coming to a doctor's office, something's got to be wrong if you're going to a doctor's office, right? Let's just say you come in, and, and you smile, and you speak to people as you come in. And you're genuinely nice to people. See, I love walking into a store, and sometimes my family doesn't like walking into a store with me, because I love walking into a store and trying to speak to as many people that will look in my face. Because I'm trying to say, look, it's okay to smile. It's okay. See, because when we do that, what happens? Most of the time, it's multiplied back. You with me? See, you're sowing that seed and saying, you know what? Jesus loves you. What can I do for you? You know, I, I'm, you know whatever it may be, and it's multiplied. Well, unfortunately, um, the same thing happens if you have the spiritual gift of being a jerk, okay, I'm just being a little facetious here, but if you, have, if you walk into a, a room and you just walk in with a straight face and you're, you look like you're upset and you've been, you know, and you walk into a room, that's going to be multiplied back to you as well. You see what I'm saying? Whatever we're, we're sowing, you're going to get that back. Hey, it's, it's the same in marriage. Can I say this? I said I wasn't going to say this because my wife is sitting here, but when I love her, see, she's the most beautiful lady in the room, okay? And I hope that you think that about your wife, but she's the most beautiful person in this room to me. See, when I love her, and when I honor her, and when I cherish her, and when I serve her, and when I bless her, 
in the way that she deserves? You know what she does? She multiplies it back to me. In a very unconditional love, more than I could ever imagine. <laughs> but when I give her a hard time, <laughs> and yes, that happens in our family too. Moving is probably one of the most stressful things that you can do. Most of a lot of you know that. And it really can test a marriage. And yesterday, yes, I said some things that I wish I could have gotten back and put back into my mouth. Well, when I give her a hard time, what happened? It comes back to me multiplied. Okay, anyway. So, so here... <laughs> Here's a quote. Oh, that, that, well. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. There's a book that I've read. The author is Darren Hardy. And the main principle that teaches us this, he says this. The small things, okay, it's an equation. I should have put it on the screens, but I didn't. Small things, okay, you've got small things right here, right? Plus consistency plus time equals a radical difference. Okay? Let me say that again in case you checked out. Check back in. Small things. Small things in our lives. Plus consistency. Plus time equals a radical difference. See, when we do the small things consistently over time, in a marriage, in church, in your walk with Jesus, when we do those things consistently over time and planting the right types of seed in the right kind of soil and the right type of year, kind time of year, then God sends the rain and God produces a harvest that is radically different. It's not what we do occasionally that makes the difference. It's what we do consistently. You know, because if I, as your pastor, if I only loved you four days a week, but the other three days of the week I didn't, then, then I'm occasionally loving you. But I do my dead level best to consistently love you as my family seven days a week. You see what I'm trying to say? That it's not the things that we do on occasion. It's the things that we do consistently. Those small things. I guess what I'm trying, I'm trying to get you to see is this. That walking the Christian life is a process. And it's made up of a lot of little things. It's made up of a lot of little things that we are to do consistently. See, so, so, so if you don't like what you're reaping, you change what you're sowing. Just, just, just one thing. Because listen, I promise you, if you try to change three things, you won't change anything. Just right now. Right now. I, I, I'm just asking you to make that, I pray that you're being convicted, but I want you to make that choice to say, I'm going to change one thing. I'm going to change one thing that needs to be consistent in my life. Because believe me, when I tell you this is a law, it's a law that you reap what you sow. 
Here's the third and final. And this one's the hardest for me. You reap after you sow. You reap in a different season. I grew up in the Mississippi Delta. I grew up in the middle of soybeans. I grew up in the middle of cotton. I grew up in the middle of rice. I grew up in the middle of catfish ponds. Now, catfish ponds are a little different. But I grew up in the middle. I remember as a kid going, and when they would flood the rice fields, this huge pipe of water, water would just be rushing out to flood the rice fields. And I have memories of moving the snakes so that we could swim in the water as the water comes out of this huge pipe. You know, but... (coughs) I knew the farmers. And when they would sow the rice, it took them several months before they were able to reap it, right? Before the harvest came. Um, one, of my, one of my daughters, which will remain nameless, for real, we, our new house, the builder um, put grass seed out and put hay on top of the grass seed. He put a topsoil on it put the seed down, and then he put hay over it. And we pulled up the other day, and one of my daughters said, Daddy, why don't we have grass yet? He said, why, why, don't, why don't we have grass yet? He put the seed in the ground. You know, and, and I told her before it happened, you know, I said, you know, it's going to rain, and then sun will hit it, and the grass will grow. So she comes in the other day, and she said, so why is it there grass growing? I want grass. Why is it there grass growing? See, We are, and it's not Isabella, it's not you, I know you're looking at it there, but it's not Isabella. See, that's why we get discouraged. That's why we get discouraged because, you know, we'll we'll try for a little while. You you with me? We'll try for a little while. We'll say, man, God, I prayed for five days straight and I still said a cuss word on the golf course. You know, God, I prayed for five days here and and I'm still not close to you. I tried and I tried and I'm trying to, to sow the right thing, but it just doesn't seem as if I'm trying, I'm reaping the righteous, bountiful harvest. What's wrong? That we live in a society that's all about immediate gratification. If we sow today, we want the return now. But Paul said this. I think that's why he said this. In Galatians 6, 9, he says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at what? At the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Come on now. See, when you read that verse, that really should make somebody say amen. That probably should make somebody wave your hands in the air. I mean, because, I mean, look at this. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, because sometimes we sow a seed, and that seed doesn't come up for years. You with me? My parents... Uh, surrendered to the mission field when I was in seminary. Matter of fact, it was right before I went to seminary. And they, they moved to San Pedro. I, I'm, I'm sorry, they were supposed to go to Honduras, ended up going to San Jose, Costa Rica. So they're here they are in San Jose, Costa Rica. And I remember after talking to mom and daddy, my mother felt the call to missions when she was 16 years old. 16. Well, it took my dad a little bit longer to get there to that calling. But what I'm trying to say is she, she was sowing that seed because she knew she was called to be on the mission field. But it wasn't about 38 years later 
that she was able to reap what she had sowed. And they were able to go on the mission field. See, sometimes, oh, wait a minute, let me say this. Maybe you're praying for a child. Maybe you're praying for a grandchild to trust Jesus. And maybe you've been praying for years. Maybe, maybe you've got a child because, you know, when your child hurts, you hurt. I understand that. Maybe you've been praying and praying and praying for an individual. See, you, you've, been, you've been sowing that seed and you're ready to see the, the harvest. You see what I'm saying? You've been praying and praying. Maybe you have a child that knows Christ but has turned away from Jesus. And you're praying and you're praying and you're praying. But listen, this verse teaches us that we don't give up. I've had the question asked to me multiple times, when do we stop praying for something like that? And the answer is never. Never. You continue to sow that seed. You, 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 in doing good, we do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, as a pastor, I get really anxious, you know, because I want to see the church grow. You know, I want to see people, first of all, come to know Jesus, because that's our first goal. Is for people to come to know Jesus, to recognize and to, to know the gospel. See, that's the first and foremost. And see, a lot of the times I get anxious, maybe when someone is, when I'm not having people, when we don't see people coming to know Jesus, you know, when we're not seeing the things that we want to see, you know, maybe we want to have 400 people in here tomorrow. See, I'm anxious. You know, we want to sow those seeds, but we want to reap it immediately. Listen, sometimes you have to reap. And it takes a while to see the harvest. That's why I came to tell somebody that you will reap a harvest of righteousness if you do not give up. It's easy to give up. That's the easy road. Had it not been for the most beautiful woman in this room, I would have given up. If I'm being really honest with you, I would have given up a long time ago. I don't know who this is for, but don't give up. Don't give up sowing the seeds, the good things as Paul talks about. As a church, let's not give up. See, the time we stop is when Jesus raptures a church. Oh, praise Jesus. I'm looking forward to that day, but that day's not here. It could happen this afternoon, but we're still here. So let's continue to sow the seed of righteousness and not give up. Don't quit giving. Don't quit saving. Don't quit loving. 
Don't stop believing that God will help you overcome that addiction. Don't give up believing. See, because I know personally, because I've gotten to know a lot of you personally already, I know personally that some of you are hurting. Physically, mentally, spiritually. I know that some of you are hurting. And, and, and maybe you're hurting in family stuff because, you know, there's a lot of things that glows on behind closed doors in everybody's house. That's just the way that it is. Maybe you're hurting with something like that. But let me tell you, do not give up. Do not give up. 